Okay, hello, episode 29 of Sack King's Therapy. Alright, today we get to talk more playoffs and King's GM search, and with me to talk about that, Fong. Hey. Okay, well, let's just uh, jump right into it. Alright, so before we actually uh, do that, actually, the, the playoffs, well, we gotta just mention a uh, Firsthand, uh, there was a protest outside the bubble that we just want to bring up. It was about us, uh, Salathus Melvin, and who a man was sh- shot basically outside uh, the basically it was like 15 miles from the bubble is what I read. And uh, yeah, basically the protester wanted to bring attention to um, the NBA players about what happened, and hopefully. Uh, the NBA players do take notice and do kind of, I guess, put some sort of tribute. I don't know if a tribute is the right, <clears throat> right word, but do bring awareness to uh, another what's seemingly just, um, I don't want to say unjust. We I don't know enough about the case, but, you know, another um, African-American being shot. Yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, the case, the, from what I'm reading on ESPN, the, play, the person was shot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, it, it just keeps happening. Uh, it's something that w- needs to be addressed. And, you know, we as a country do need to look ourselves in the mirror for. Well, uh, sorry to start off on that really bad note. Um, we'll move on to uh, th- this week. Uh, De'Aaron Fox got engaged or over the weekend. Uh, De'Aaron Fox got engaged to his uh, girlfriend, now fiance. Welcome to the Fox family, Mrs. Uh, Codwell Fox. Yay. And you said she was a point guard? Yeah, I believe that's what I read. Um, a former McDonald's All-American point guard. That's all they said. Uh, she was from UCLA, Texas Tech, and then Cal. Wow, and through Cal? She followed a short stint in the WNBA. Um, yeah pretty decent resume yeah so you know what uh, you know like mr De'Aaron fox a ball player and you know just uh congratulations to them okay just to kind of end just to kind of end the uh just news before we get into it daniel house got kicked out of the bubble now i i don't remember the exact specifics but basically he had a uh tester in his room for a few hours and you know she was not authorized to actually enter into the bubble, which is kind of confusing because, like, I thought the testers were in the bubble, but I guess the inner part of the bubble. And yeah, she wasn't supposed to be in there and definitely not in uh, Daniel House's room. And NBA ran an investigation and decided to basically kick him out before the uh, <laughs> before they had to, you know, before the Rockets had to leave. Um, you know, we'll get into it a little bit, but, you know, the Rockets could have used him. Yeah, I mean, it's his fault. So, <laughs> yeah, there's no real way to kind of sugarcoat this one. He kind of fucked yeah, up. I know. I'm not going to dwell on him too much just because I don't imagine it's fun being him right now. And no. yeah, just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into the Rockets. But yeah, Daniel House got kicked out before uh, the Rockets had to go home. Um, spoilers for a little bit. All right, now let's finally get into the playoff series. So, the big news that I felt was the biggest news, 
Uh, Bucks fall to Miami four to one. Um, talk about surprising. Um, Giannis did not play the final game. His uh, ankle was just uh, not in good shape. He tried. He really wanted to play and just couldn't. After you know trying out as much as he could, and it it just wasn't there. And he had to watch from the sidelines as uh, Miami downs the Bucks. So I guess the first question I want to ask you is. Do you think this is Giannis's fault in terms of just how they lost? Uh, I wouldn't put the full blame on Giannis. I think he played uh, what he could um, against Miami, and I, in my opinion, I thought they could have utilized more of uh, the role players a little more than relying on Giannis to, you know, try to dunk on them or even uh, score his own points. Even those threes were terrible. I mean, like the about the part about the role players. I just think they could have, you know, figured it out for themselves because mm-hmm. they were triple teaming, you know, quad teaming like Giannis. You, you hope they could hit some threes, but they just couldn't. They let's see. So the Heat shot thirty-two percent from three this series, while the Heat shot thirty-seven. So that kind of was the difference. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean. Even though the role players didn't hit those threes, yeah, you know it's a it's you know a make or miss league, and unfortunately yeah. the Bucks didn't miss a lot. And again, like I, I I'm on the side of it really wasn't Giannis's fault. Like again, you tri- he gets triple team. Somebody is open, and mm-hmm. like he he made enough open passes to the point where the players just had to hit it, and they just couldn't. And it's it's unfortunate, and. You know, a lot of people are just going to blame it on him, but I don't think it's so much on him. He is one-dimensional right now in terms of just he can only pull his way to the rim. And guess what? Against two to three players each time and them limiting you on fast breaks, there's not much you can do. Mm-hmm. And he needs to add more to his game, like, of course, but you know, he needs a second guy. And Chris Middleton just didn't add enough. Chris Middleton was okay this series for the most part, like, but he just didn't do enough. And mm-hmm. of course, you know, the role players really didn't show up. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, well, it's going to be a long off season for the Bucks, and you know, they they are going to need some sort of creator. Middleton just isn't enough. They need another option to to you know just utilize Giannis as well and also just set up other players so naturally there's going to be a lot of talk about you know a player that has done this for a team uh for the Oklahoma City specifically Chris Paul to the Bucks (laughs) what do you think uh I think it will work out a lot better in a way um I mean where else can Chris Paul go to be honest New York baby oh boy yeah, it's now, uh, yeah. I don't like. I don't want him to go to New York. Now it's that's it's like you want to win a champion, a potential championship, or do you want the money now? Oh, you're getting the money no matter what. That is not about the money. It's about something else at that point. Yeah, I can't see Chris Paul doing that much with New York at the moment. Uh, but with the Bucks. Yeah, instead of Bledsoe in the lineup, I'd see him uh, producing a lot of uh, momentum for the team and, uh, yeah, potentially being back in the playoffs. Not playoffs. 
but potentially getting to the Eastern Finals. Yeah, I like it makes sense. The only thing is, I the, the age worries me. He's 34 this year. He's gonna be 35 next year. And don't get me wrong, he's really, really good this year. Like, there are just very few people who control the game like he does. You know, the only exception I know is LeBron. Really, that I think is better at controlling the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I think a maestro like him, even the even though he's 35, I think will still be very effective. I don't think he can get by guys anymore. But like for him to be able to orchestrate the pick and roll. I think he's. I think that will age well, at mm-hmm. least for one more year before it completely falls off a cliff. Like he is a maestro, and I think that part of his game will like age pretty well. I just don't think his ISO game will age all that well. But you know, I think he provides a lot of what the Bucks need. Oh yeah, for sure. And yes, getting rid of Eric Bledsoe, although as much as he does on the defensive end, I think that's a plus if you can get rid of Eric Bledsoe. Motherfucker shot 33% from the field. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 21% from three. Oh, wow. And that is a, he ties with Giannis on that, in that department. Oh, Jesus. Geez. Yeah, you can't have two non-shooters like that. I, I get both of them are really good on defense, but like, yeah, you need offense in the, in the playoffs. I know defense wins championships, but it don't mean jack shit if you don't have any offense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, also, uh, Giannis said he will not ask for a trade this offseason. And although he has not said he will sign the extension, but he is guaranteed to play at least one more year. Now, will he do that with the Bucks? I don't know. Yeah, that's his choice. <laughs> I don't, like, I, I get the Giannis to the Warriors talk. Like, as much as I love the Warriors, I don't want to see it just because I want a homegrown superstar. I want him to stay with, with Milwaukee. And just be a presence in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, would he ever win a championship? I don't know, but I, I like to think he's built a little differently, and he won't just run to a better situation, whether mm-hmm. if that be the Raptors or, God forbid, Miami. Like, yeah. Oh dear God, <laughs> just powerhouse. Yeah, but don't you know? As much as again, I like the Warriors. Don't pull a KD and just join Miami after Miami basically whoop your ass. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you know, all the credit in the world to Miami, all the credit in the world to Jay fucking Crowder. Um, I, I, I do, I, I definitely had this conversation with I don't remember if I said this on the podcast, but I remember previewing this series and saying, Yeah, you help off of Jay Crowder and just let him beat you. And boy, did he, did he beat uh, the Bucks. He, uh, <laughs> Let's see. So his total amount of threes, he uh he shot forty three percent from three on fifty five attempts or fifty one attempts. Sorry, so he torched the Bucks. Mm-hmm. He, I think he was the difference between the series because, again, I just think he's not a great three point shooter usually. And yeah, you let him beat you, and yeah, because I, you know prior to my I guess the eye test, I remember watching Duncan Robinson and thought I thought he hit all the threes in the world. He only shot 35% from three in the series. And yeah, like, you know, the Bucks did a decent job on him and like, but Tyler hero shot 42% from three and yeah, like Tyler hero came to play. Jay Crowder came to play. And unfortunately a lot of the Bucks role players just didn't come to play. Brooke Lopez shot 42% though. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. Um, Yeah. 
So that is the difference between the series. And, you know, Jimmy Butler was Jimmy Butler. Just that kind of stabilizing force. A little bit like a Kawhi light, I think. Like, in terms of just what he what Kawhi did for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, any more thoughts on uh, Bucks versus Miami? No, but I'm pretty excited for that Miami and Celtics game. Uh, Who you got uh, for that series, actually? I would say, to be honest, Celtics in six. But I do really want Miami to win. So why not pick Miami? I I just have a feeling that Celtics is going to be the like the winner out of this series. That's... Okay, yeah. Since you said the Celtics, I was going to pick the Celtics. Since you said it, I'm going to pick Miami. Miami in six. Jimmy Butler goes oh, off. Dang it! <laughs> you know what? Really... You're with your heart sometimes. I really want Miami to win, but for some reason, I, I, I really do feel like the Celtics are just going to pull through. And the Celtics will adjust. Like, the big thing with Bud, with Bud is that he wouldn't play uh, Giannis over 34 minutes. Mm-hmm. 36 or whatever the fuck. Miami, or, no, Celtics will play their uh, stars 40 minutes, and they will adjust. They have a much more switchy lineup. Like, you know... Where they can just like you know have smaller guys and wings as opposed to just having that kind of you know that center that just drops back right. Mm-hmm. So they ha- they can adjust a lot better than the Bucks can. So yeah, yeah. yeah it will be an interesting series. I will I will pick the Heat. I think Bam Adebayo has a really good series. <sighs> I want to pick the Heat now. You got to <laughs> go with your heart sometimes. Don't go with logic. Yeah, we'll see after tomorrow's game. Well, speaking of Boston, Boston beat uh, Toronto uh, in Game 7 and advanced to face the Heat. Yeah, it was a very tight Game 7 and a very just bloodbath of a series. I honestly thought, <laughs> I kind of was thinking Toronto was going to win, and it didn't look like that for a while. Or mm-hmm. it didn't really look like that, but like for a while you're just like thinking oh god it's a close game they could just you know steal the win somehow mm-hmm. it, it didn't happen um Celtics were just just hung tough and just did what they could uh there was a scary moment where Jalen Brown looked like he injured himself but he looks like he's fine um that's good to see Siak uh the one thing that just stands out to me how bad Siakam was this this series yeah i mean He's not the replacement for Kawhi, of course. And, you know, he's still... They could use like, Kawhi, couldn't they? couldn't they? Yeah, I mean, they really could. I still think he's developing in certain areas. And maybe in another couple of years, he'll be that, you know, presence. But no, there's no way uh, he would get to, you know, that Kawhi level. But, of course, yeah, Toronto would have benefited a lot with Kawhi on the floor. Yeah, and to, because he was just that first option, and it's a part of the thing with uh, Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse was just, you know, praised all throughout the season for his, you know, really movement-heavy offense. But, like, I didn't see it in the series. And, unfortunately, Siakam suffered the most because of it because they would just post him up against Jalen Brown, and it just never worked. And then they would have him create from the perimeter instead of, you know, getting the ball in his spots. Like, why not get it to him in, uh, I guess, the elbow? But it's not like he did it that much better from either one, either elbow. But it's just like, why did they just keep having him, ch- like, just create one-on-one? He's not a great creator, 
and he did not have a like a mismatch all series because Jalen Brown just did so well against them. And yeah, they basically just had a terrible series, and he had a pretty terrible game seven too. Like he had a few buckets down the stretch, but like he had some pretty ugly just turnovers and just missed shots where he just didn't look like he knew how to play basketball anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, Fred Van Vliet <laughs> was last uh, last uh, possession of the game seven just was so ugly. Like. It's it's one of Kyle Lowry's incredible abilities where he just gets good shots and gets guys in the right places. Yeah. But you know, he fouled out before the last possession and I Fred know. Van Vliet was left to just dribble dribble and just throw up a shot that you know basically was really short because I think it got blocked by Grant Williams. Yeah, I know it was blocked. <laughs> and so, yeah, like it, they really suffered without Lowry on the final possession. That was basically the series and yeah, you know, congratulations to the Celtics. I didn't think they would make the finals or conference finals. And they proved, you know, J- Jalen Brown's proven himself to be, you know, a, a budding star. I don't think he's a complete star yet. We'll see in Miami. Maybe he is. Mm-hmm. And Jalen Brown was a perfect kind of second, third option because Kemba's still there. I, I always forget that Kemba's on the team for some reason. Yeah. And yeah, they did, they did this without Gordon Hayward too. So like... We'll see what he what he's like in you know when he comes back because he could be the deciding factor in the series. Mm-hmm. Can I switch my pick to Miami? <laughs> no, no, you didn't go there hard the first time. You don't. You've lost that privilege. I really like Miami. Miami's mine. Miami's mine now. You, I, you I really do like Celtics. I, I like Miami more than Boston, but for some reason, I I feel like Boston might just win this series. I'm gonna give you the green hat. <laughs> And that's a that's a Chinese joke for you, uh, if anyone's Chinese. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Lakers Lakers versus Rockets. Lakers beat the Rockets four one. Um, yeah. Um, uh, basically, the series just boiled down to Russ being really, really bad. I mean, there are other there are other things like that happened in the series. Daniel House was not there for game games four and five. Was he there for three? I don't remember. But uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, well, well, I don't think it mattered that much. Like, it, they could have used them, but I, I don't know if it mattered that much. But Russ was just awful. Ex- with the, and Well, he was good in game one, but, like, he was awful, like, for all the other games. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that he just cannot shoot anymore, like, he's just not a threat. And they literally just put Anthony Davis on him. And, like, Anthony Davis would just stand at the basket waiting for Harden. And then they would blitz Harden to get the ball out of his hands. And make other people into creators, and yeah, that's basically the blueprint to beating beating the Rockets. So, and it, and you know, you add the rust factor to that, it just it there was just no contest for basically three the last four games. I mean, Rockets didn't make it close like a few of those games, but it just wasn't there. And you know, again, add the rust factor, it just it just was too much for them for them to kind of overcome. So. Yeah. And yeah, my hard, I, I said Harden gets blitzed. He basically gets guarded how I do in 2K, where basically you bring the ball up and they immediately send the double team to you. doesn't mm-hmm. matter where in the floor you are, and then you just pass it to an AI, and then the AI just does some, something with it. And unfortunately, yeah. like the, the AI wasn't, the Rockets player weren't that much better than the AI in 2K. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
Yeah, my final thought of this series is that they really could have used Chris Paul, couldn't they? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, when they did have Chris Paul, I really thought they would have taken it all the way, to be honest. And now with um, Russ there and uh, now D'Antoni leaving, um, where does the Rockets even go from here? Well, you know, I imagine they're going to try and find a way off that Russ contract, but who the fuck is going to take Russ? Please don't say that. Please, Kings, don't get involved in this. But, uh, um, you know, like, there really isn't a way forward. They're going to get a new coach. But, like, who's going to be able to utilize this roster? This is the, the weirdest roster on in the NBA. Like, you don't even really have a center anymore. Like, they're just going to, like, whoever's taking over this head coaching job is going to have a miserable time unless they make some moves to, you know, maybe return to normalcy, but I don't know what moves they can make. Like they can't really make a move without giving up, you know, one of those wing players. And unfortunately they're in a position where they need those wing players as well. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a really bad place to be. And, you know, another guy they're going to use this series like again, I don't think they win. I don't think he really makes that much of a difference, even if he's in this series. But they could have used them. Couldn't Capella? <laughs> to be yeah. fair, they don't get Robert Covington without Clint Capella. But like, they could have used someone like him. And yeah, they basically just they needed just some size because they kind of just like it, it. The fact with small ball is that you cannot play it like the whole game. You need a center just to kind of eat up minutes, just to, you know, at least just kind of give PJ Tucker a little bit of a rest. Like yeah, as yeah. good as PJ Tucker is, he's banging against guys that are just taller than him, mm-hmm. maybe heavier than him. It wears on his body, and I, he kind of got injured like in the third game, or I think the third game, and you know he just toughed it out. But like, it's, it's not good on your body, and. You know, speaking of PJ Tucker, I expect him falling off a cliff next year because you can't do this shit to your body. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you think he'll be continuing uh, playing as center for the next couple years? Not, I, like- I think I think he's done next year. Like, I, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only so long you can do this. Yeah, I feel like he should convert back and just switch when needed. But other than that, yeah, he he's really taking a toll to his body. And how old is he right now? He's thirty-five. Okay, like, he's yeah. he's old. Like he's not the, he's not a spring chicken by any means. I give it another year or two before he retires. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. But again, it's just the most underappreciated player I think of all time. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's it for, you know, the depressing Rockets. We'll see where they go from here. Moving on to uh, the Clippers versus Nuggets. It is a 3-3 series right now. They are playing Game 7 tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, September 15th. Now, I'm I'm just going to give a quick summary. Nuggets didn't so much blow Game 3. They more or less just kind of let it get away from them because it was a very close game, and, you know, uh, Clippers were kind of sleepwalking throughout the game. And like they just kind of turned it on at the end, and it worked. Um, and then Clippers, you know, were up three-one, and in Game Five, built a fifteen-point lead in the third, and proceeded to give that all away uh, by the 
by the fourth quarter. Now, I will say, I watched some clips, and I watch, and I just kind of listen to other people talk about the game. I didn't get to watch the full game because I was doing something else, but, like, Clippers didn't so much play bad defense as in just the the Nuggets just hit shots and just the Clippers kind of stop hitting open shots. And, you know, it happened again in game six, kind of the same thing. Just the Nuggets start hitting shots like over good defense. And, you know, Clippers just kept missing shots um, over, you know, pretty bad defense. And mm-hmm. we'll see like what happens in game seven. I hope it's a blowout just because, you know, I can't stand another round of this shit, man. Yeah, no. Um, to be honest, uh, we predicted Clippers in five, I believe. It kind of should have been Clippers in five, but they, they just they just had to they just had to fuck around. But yeah, but for this game uh, seven, definitely, definitely, Clippers should win it. <laughs> I will say, like, you know, yeah, logically they should win it, but, like, Game 7 is just a whole nother kind of just animal. It just doesn't, it doesn't really follow any logical sense a lot of the time, and it's just, I don't think they're gonna, you know, it's not gonna, it's gonna be, like, just a 50-50 at most. Like, mm-hmm. you can't really, like, favor the Clippers really anymore, where because the Nuggets could just get hot for no reason. And... Mm-hmm. You know, it's in, of course, the Clippers can get hot for no reason. And, you know, it's game seven. The the pressure is at its at its highest and we'll see who comes out of it. But it's all it's all up in the air now. And like Clippers fans should be worried. And, you know, they Clippers just carry around this aura where they can just fuck around and then just still win games. But they're basically they basically think they're the Warriors of last year. And, you know, at their peak, they can be kind of well, actually now at their peak, they can't be. But like they can be reached that like just a tier below that level. And there's no team that can really say anything to them when they're mm-hmm. like at their peak. But like or no no team that can match them. But Like they just don't ever feel like they need to get to that peak. And guess what? Now you're in a game seven against a very dangerous team. Mm hmm. And no. I, I just, I just hope to God that they fucking win it. I, if they lose this game, like, oh, I don't know what, what's ahead for them. Yeah, they still have about what a year in their contracts. That's not the main concern with me. Although you know, Trez's office contract, I think Lou might be off of his contract too. And then, nice. uh, Mont, um, you know, Morris with Marcus Morris. I don't, I think he's all. Yeah, I think he'll resign. But like. I don't like him all that much, but like, yeah, the contracts are kind of tricky. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they can figure something out. I just think that like this year kind of has to be one of like their year because I think Kawhi's hmm. like his timing might be ticking because like that knee is not going to get any better. I see. And then, you know, Lord knows what's going to happen with Paul George's shoulders. Like he, he's not exactly healthy all the time. Lou is getting to that age where he is c- getting close to just dropping off a cliff. Mm hmm. And Patrick Beverly, in the same vein that PJ Tucker kind of goes through, not to that degree, but he does guard bigger players, and he's a feisty point guard, and he's going to drop off a cliff at some point, and he's 31. Mm-hmm. So they don't have that much time with this roster. They really don't. Yeah. So they have. They. I hope they. I hope we get the Battle of LA, and you know, like Lord knows what happens in that series. Like, hopefully, for the love of God, they take that one seriously because I think they can beat the Lakers. And I think they can 
you know, as long as they take it seriously, they can kind of wipe, not wipe the floor with the Lakers. They can win, but like Lakers, no, we know have that gear or specifically LeBron, we know have, has that gear and they will take it seriously. Oh yeah. So yeah. But, uh, prediction to win. I, it better be the Clippers. I'm just going to throw everything I said out the window and just say nuggets. I think Jamal Murray gets hot. Uh, I think Jokic I gets agree. hot. It's it's a tough decision for sure. It it could go either way. Since Michael Porter came. Jr. is, is uh, you know Kevin Durant drops fifty. Yeah, drops fifty. Um, what's it? What's it? Gary Harris is uh, I don't know. Um, it was a good Gary Payton in his prime. So somehow drops. <laughs> I don't know. You got to get bold with these things. Somehow drops. Every every uh, starter drops at least twenty. Yeah, that'd be that that'd be interesting. Um yeah, let, let let's just move on before before my head explodes. <laughs> um okay, well, you know, that's it for the playoffs. Uh we're gonna move to the Kings GM search and some Sacramento Kings coverage here. Um so Adams that we originally had well, not we, but the Sacramento Kings originally had six candidates. Two of them have pulled out. Adam Simon of the Miami Heat. I think he's the assistant GM or something. I forgot, but I didn't do that much research because he's not going to join the not going to join the team. Uh, Adam Simon of Miami is not going to join us. Uh, Trajan Langdon, Trajan. How do you pronounce it? I, I say Trajan. Trajan. Trajan Langdon. I didn't even write where he's from. <laughs> um, he's also not interested in the job, so he will not be joining the uh, Kings in their uh, interviews. What? There are there are uh, candidates that did interview for the position, and they will move on to the second round. Uh, we'll start with Calvin Booth of uh, De- the Denver Nuggets. Now he was going to pull out uh, originally, but it was a last minute decision that he that he decided to just take the interview. He is the De- Denver assistant GM uh, since 2017. Now the interesting thing, I guess, the interesting nugget, no pun intended, um, is that. He was in he was in that role, the assistant GM role, when they drafted Monte Morris with the 51st pick and MPJ, Michael Porter Jr., with the 14th pick. So those are gems. Yeah, very interesting. So maybe they could do a little bit of that for the Kings. Uh, he was the scout. Uh, he was a scout slash director of player personnel for the Timberwolves from 2013 to 2017. Doesn't really specify. I, I, for, I forgot to check it. But like I don't know when he changed the role, but he was very involved with players. Is kind of the general idea I'm trying to express here. He was also a scout for New Orleans uh, from 2012 to 2013. So he ha- he's had a, a pretty long career working as a kind of behind the scenes kind of s- talent person, uh, talent personnel like director. And he would bring a lot of just kind of draft analysis and just. Um, understanding of player personnel to the Kings. Uh, what do you think of Calvin Booth? Uh, he seems interesting, uh, but I don't know what kind of scouting he has done for the Wolves and New Orleans, to be honest. And... I only went through the Denver, and uh, I already told you the two gems, Monty Morris and Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. But, like, the main thing with him, and even the guys from, you know, Miami and 
Adam Simon in Miami is that they worked in a very well-established system that was already in place. Uh, Tim Connolly built the uh, system, kind of the the structure for the Denver Nuggets that kind of, you know, um, Calvin Booth, kind of, I guess, thrived in. Now, we don't know how good Calvin Booth is, like, just by himself. Like, I, I mean that I don't, and I assume you don't either. Mm-hmm. So, like, it... Basically, we don't know how well he would do in a place where there really isn't much of a structure in, in the Sacramento Kings. So That's true. We, we don't know if he can build that structure, if he has the ability and knowledge to be able to you know, build it from the ground up. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Um, if he does you know, somehow become GM, uh, he might have that ability. It's just that it won't happen immediately. It'll, it'll probably take a while. And then again, like, how would that structure benefit us in the future as well? You know, if I'm looking, looking long-term, I'm okay with that. It's just that for the near-term, it's going to be just hard to swallow. Because, yeah. again, there's, a, there's an aura, there's a cloud up on the organization that just that won't go away for a while. And fans need to just kind of understand that it won't happen overnight, that the team just becomes better. Mm-hmm. Now, it takes a lot of time to develop. Now, to be honest, out of the uh, whatchamacallit, choices we have here in front of us, um, he's probably, he's pretty high up there, but it's not our number one, to be honest. We'll rank him at the end. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to our next one. I, I do like Calvin Booth. I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next one, Sashin Gupta. Now, he is currently the assistant uh, director, the vice president of basketball operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, he is very interesting. Now, he's, he worked very closely with Sam Hinkie during the process. He, uh, he graduated from MIT, which is really cool. And he basically is well-known for being the creator of the NBA tray machine. Now, he's not the sole creator, but he, d- he did like contribute a lot to creating the NBA trade machine, meaning that he has a very deep and clear understanding of uh, the uh, salary cap and, or the collective bargaining agreement and how trades work. And he used that knowledge in 2015 to build <laughs> the infamous Sixers-Kings trade, where we gave up two pick swaps and our 2019 draft pick, which ended up being Carson Edwards. Yeah. <laughs> now, luckily for us, that, that trade ended up not hurting us as much as it could have, because guess what? The Sixers like basically screwed those picks up mm-hmm. um, by, by themselves. And yeah, and basically he is a very creative and smart person. You know, again, went to MIT, created the NBA trade machine, which is an amazing uh, an amazing t- uh, tool that a lot of fans use to for hypothetical traits that probably will never happen. But for, for to be able to create that like from scratch takes a lot. Takes a lot, and he'd be great, I think, <laughs> for the Kings organization. Yeah, I'd say he's one of our or my, uh, our top bids for sure. Yeah, and you know. I'm not the biggest fan of going through the process, which is what you know Sam Hankey is you know mo- most closely associated with. Mm-hmm. But you know, it sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do, and we need a, a brilliant mind like him to for in 
in Vivek's ear, basically, in, in our organization to just kind of, you know, slowly clear that air, that cloud that's, you know, above the King's organization. Oh, yeah. Okay, moving on to, uh, so our next candidate, Monty McNair. Now, my notes uh, are just basically that he's a Daryl Morey disciple, and he is rumored to be very, very heavy on analytics and on collecting assets and draft picks to eventually land a superstar. A bit like the process, but like n not the fully tanking route, I don't think. He's more about just making trades to kind of just collect assets so that you can one day get somebody. Mm -hmm. What do you uh, think? Very interesting uh, concept, but at the same time, I don't know any superstars that would want to come to Sacramento. To be honest, even if we did trade for him, I don't. I don't know. It's like it really depends. I think on the situation and who we are going to get with uh, our assets. This is my opinion. You know, like I think until we build a stable organization, a good organization with a good, um, with a good reputation, again, lifting that cloud, mm -hmm. we're not going to get any free agents. Cause like, un unless they're coming for the money, like it's not, they're not going to come here to win because they know it's a bad situation. And not a lot of players, you know, consciously want that outside of maybe like the money and just, you know, spending like half a season here and then asking for a trade. Not going to end well. I don't think we should really focus at all on for trades just yet, just because like we need to build up the organization. And, you know, our analytics department is thin to say the least. And, you know, Monty, Monty McNair will bring like, a focus onto that and bring you know great analysis on that end and you know it can't hurt to get more analytics in our uh, department but you know i'm not the biggest fan of the rocket system where it's so heavy on uh analytics i i think there is a human element a player a much stronger player element that the rockets tend to just kind of ignore and i'm not the biggest fan of that mm-hmm and I don't know like how much of Daryl Morey he's gonna try to imitate. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's he's a bit of a dark horse, I guess. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, any of these uh, people uh, would have been great picks. It's just I, I already see one that <laughs> it's, uh, seems pretty nice resume wise. And you know, like you know, I hate to bring bring it to this, but like it can't be worse than Vlade, right? Uh, yeah, I don't. Know. I don't think it can be just because Vlade came in not knowing anything mm -hmm. and just doing it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, like of course we we like fans all the damn time. Like say I could do this job better, and guess what? They're they're idiots and they can't. Unfortunately, Vlade was kind of that guy. Unfortunately, yeah, and yeah, it's, it's just it can't be worse. So. You know, that, that's one way of just, you know, setting yourself up with reasonable expectations of what this is going to be. Yeah. I mean, all of these guys have their experiences and uh, hopefully they'll rub on to our organization and we'll, yeah, just hopefully get better. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sorry I like kind of maybe like maybe have spoken about Monty and a very Monte. 
in kind of a negative light, but like I, but even like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to keep bashing on him. I think he's a great mind that will bring a lot to the Kings organization. Mm-hmm. All each of these uh, candidates will bring an extra and much needed element to the, yeah. the Kings organization. Like we don't have that strong of a scouting uh, department. We don't have that strong of a um, salary cap uh, CBA. Um, you know presence in our organization and we don't have you know a great analytics department either so like each of these three guys brings something that we need to build on in our in our organization i'm flubbing my words Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm I'm okay with any of these honestly and yeah again they there'll be an upgrade over um lottie oh yeah for sure Okay, moving on to our fourth and final candidate, Wes Wilcox. Now, he started out as a scout, uh, an assistant coach, and uh, I, and he was a director of player personnel in Cleveland. I forgot to write down the years, but he's most well-known for his tenure as assistant GM in 2012 to 2015 and GM of uh, the Atlanta Hawks for 25, from 2015 to 2017. Now, mm. that is the period where they kind of... Basically, they kept making the playoffs, but they had a very bad team where they don't really have a superstar. And it kind of culminated in the 2015, the 2014-2015 season where they had 60 wins, where they had a ragtag group of veterans who basically were very good, but none of them were superstars. But mm-hmm. it was a very good collection of talent. Yeah, that was an interesting year for Atlanta. Yeah, and, you know... And he was a part, I imagine he was a part of building that. You know, he had a, he was like assistant GM during that tenure, and he was GM for part of that tenure as well. Now, his tenure, unfortunately, for the Atlanta Hawks ended abruptly when he was fired for making an insensitive joke about being in an interracial message to, uh, I think it was a conference call with season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. He did not take kindly to his joke, and he was subsequently fired for it. Uh, yeah, we probably won't like that at all. And yeah. uh, is he actually working still? Uh, he is not, if I remember right. Let me check real quick. So if that's the case, he is he really out for three years? So there really isn't much. Yes, so basically he's been a special advisor, you know, I'm, I'm doing quotation marks, uh, whatever. The, you know, special advisors is basically just like, oh, uh, they, they, you know, he just, the uh, owner calls him every now and then for some advice on something. Mm, I not really, it's a, it's a position, but it's not really anything, basically. Mm-hmm. Very vague position. So, you know, I don't, I, you know, again, we need more scouting. And just someone who's more familiar with like player personnel and things such as that. But I think his reputation, what he's actually remembered for, unfortunately, is that insensitive joke. And I don't think the Kings will actually, you know, the the Kings being who they are in terms of just like, you know, fighting for social justice, they're not going to want this kind of black eye on their organization. So I think the chances of him kind of being hired are very low for the most part. Yeah, I mean, as much as he could have been a, like a good GM for us, yeah, that one thing might not get him hired. So. It's going to follow him, and it's going to follow the Kings if we hire him, and I just don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
So, but you know, again, we do need as an organization do need you know more scouting and just more a, a better understanding of player personnel on our staff. And I think he would fit very well on that. It's just with a checker pass like his, you know, it it'll be tough. And you know, I believe in second chances, and you know, but we'll have to see. Like, I don't think it's very likely he gets hired. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess to wrap this all up, like, who's your who's your? Look, look, give me a give me a first pick and a second pick. So first pick, I go with Gupta, Sachin Gupta. Uh, yeah, really good resume. Um, of course, like you said, created the NBA trade machine, so he he has a pretty good idea of how uh, trades will go down, and you know, possibly uh, salary caps and whatnot. Did um, I mention he went to MIT? Yes, <laughs> yes, you have. Yes, yes, you have. Yeah, he yeah he went to MIT. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that can be said enough. Uh, let's see. So yeah, that would be my first pick. Uh, second pick. I would between Monte and Calvin, I I'd say Calvin more since he has more of a a better scouting um you know uh ideology and uh you know of course he uh also was part of that uh Nuggets draft with Monte Morris and MPJ and you know maybe he could uh rub that luck on us when we start uh drafting someone uh for 2020. You know, I like... Okay, so I'm going to go with my first pick, which is Sachin Gupta. And yeah, like, you know, the mastermind behind the 2016, 2015 trade that <laughs> almost killed the Kings. Um, you know, worked closely with Sam Hankey, so he knows, like, the, the process. He's been part of the process and mm-hmm. created the ESPN trade machine. And did I mention he went to MIT? And... <laughs> Yeah, I think he'd be. A, he's just a great. He's just a great mind to have, and he understand understands the collective bargaining agreement. He understands the salary cap, and he knows how to manipulate trades to kind of mess, essentially, almost like mess with the uh, break break the CBA in a way. And yeah, like I think he's a great mind to have, uh, just on in the organization, and I think that could really clear that cloud because mm-hmm. you're bringing in such a great knowledgeable person that can really add to the organization and hopefully Vivek and Vivek gives him the keys. I think he, I think like if it's not going to happen again, cause it really ended badly. Like I, I wish he would just give the keys to him, like how he gave it to Vlade and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have to see how Joe Dumars works, works with uh, these guys too. Like we got, we can't excuse that part. And there was a report that came out. Apparently, Joe Dumars is not going to be involved in the interviews, which is oh, weird. Just weird. That's yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, like hopefully whoever we hire um, is going to just hopefully Joe has doesn't get in the way, you know. Mm-hmm. And we shall see what becomes of it. My second pick is Calvin Booth, by the way. I it, right. I would pick Monty McNair, but like Mon- there just isn't enough information that I could find that kind of defines what he's like really good at and mm-hmm. what he is going to do. I'm I'm more comfortable with Calvin Booth just because he's found gems before, or he's been involved in the process of finding gems, mm-hmm. and I think that could be very useful. 
And, you know, Monty McNair, I just, you know, heavy on analytics and a disciple of Moray is really all I can find on him. And this is not enough for me to be comfortable enough to, you know, pick him. But, you know, Lord knows he might be an amazing pick for us if we end up going with him. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like I, I just, yeah. So any of these candidates is good. And, and hopefully they can work with Joe. And we'll see, like, if Joe has actually evolved because he really had a very ugly exit to Detroit, an ugly end to Detroit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I might have sounded just a little bit too negative on this episode, but I'm very optimistic about this GM search. And this is it, and you know, I, again, I don't want to bring the mood down again, but we have to get this one right. The Kings have to get this one right because. You get this one wrong, you might screw up like De'Aaron Fox's career and Marvin Bagley and everyone else's career that's on the Kings right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hopefully you get this one right. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, so far from what I've seen, I think Gupta has a really high chance. Yeah, hopefully. Like he's they're on to the second round right now, so we shall see in the coming weeks and months see what happens. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that's all. That's all we have for this episode. Um, you know, we'll see uh, what happens in Game Seven of uh, Clippers versus Nuggets and uh, Raptors. Ver- Raptors, they're, they're gone. Uh, <laughs> Celtics versus uh, Heat. Um, you know, Owens team now. Uh, I still want the Heat. No, you don't get I... it. They're my my team. Uh, I yeah. Sure. Oh, also, I, also, Nuggets are now my team, and if they lose, well, guess what? I'm I'm a Clippers fan after that. So, you know, win-win for me. Um, yeah. So that's how we're gonna close it. Hopefully, uh, we get two good games tomorrow. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll get two good games tomorrow for sure. Yeah, even if even if the Heat win this series, uh, you don't get to come back on the bandwagon. You're on the Lakers or the Clippers side oh, uh, in the finals. Uh, or, or the Nuggets, or the Norget, or the Nuggets, for all we know. I, I don't like the Heat more than most of these teams. No, you no, you had your chance. Uh, it's just the heart. You, know? you have to, you got to follow your heart sometimes. You know, every listeners follow your heart. Fuck logic. <laughs> I mean, it's like me saying, "Oh, I like the Kings," but they always lose. You so you wouldn't even follow your heart in that situation. I always cake for the Kings. Always. For some reason, every time I watch it, it seems like they lose. Well, you just gotta, you just gotta sit through it. Yeah. <laughs> as a great person, I don't know if it's a woman or a man who said this. Someone, as someone once said, "No pain, no game." Right? Who has said that? Everyone has. I'm pretty yeah, sure no. it's a pretty common saying. I don't know who said it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All these years of suffering will mean something at some point. So uh-huh. that's that's my philosophy with the kids. <laughs> All right. Well, on that uh, philosophical and enlightening note, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. <laughs> um, yeah, hope go go heat. Yes, we'll see you guys later. Go Miami. You're not even gonna, you're not even go gonna Miami. Go. <laughs> you you're going Celtics. No. <laughs> Thank you.